0: Real quick, not the whole books, obviously, 1st and 2nd Timothy. So if you would turn over to 1st Timothy. Timothy was a guy who Paul picked up on a missionary journey, saw a lot of potential in him, mentored him, and as he went through Ephesus, he left Timothy there in the city of Ephesus. Now, Ephesus is a pretty influential city, large city at that time. A lot of responsibility. Young guy coming up, mentoring. Oh, yeah, part of your mentoring is I'm going to give you the church in Ephesus. You know, that's huge. That's just not an internship. That's full-fledged. You better get it going. And notice some of the things that go that he's charged with. In uh, verse 3 1 Timothy. As I urge you when I went to Macedonia, you're going to have to, it's not on the PowerPoint, so you're going to have to get your Bibles out. He says, stay there in Ephesus so you may command certain people not to teach false doctrines any longer or devote themselves to endless genealogies. Now, I don't know how often you've dealt with false teachers. Well, that can be a headache. Because not only is the teaching something you've got to help them to see is false, but you've got to deal with their pride. Because teachers can be prideful. Have you, ever, have you ever studied with somebody that just, just had this interpretation and you just could not get it, them to even consider something else? Pride, arrogance, you know how that is. So here Timothy has got to deal with men like that. That's something an older guy ought to be doing, right? And here's Timothy having to sit down. And I'm telling you, the hours to straighten out the false teaching in some of these early churches was 24-7 because they were getting blasted with all kinds of things. Then you get, you know, I'm just going to go over the headings real quick. Look in chapter 2, you have all this stuff going on with worship, what people are supposed to do, what they're not supposed to do. There's a gender issue, men and women, who's equal, who's that? He says a woman should learn in quietness and full submission. I know that has some cultural aspects to it, because of the Middle East and how they viewed women back at that time. But... Whatever the case, Timothy had to deal with it. You know how hard it is to keep a woman from talking? I mean, I don't mean to be ugly, but you know. Sometimes when I think the discussion's over, it keeps going. In fact, when I go out of the room, it's still going. I'm looking back. Is it something I did? But anyway... Then you got qualifications for overseers. Appointing elders is huge. Put the wrong people in, you got problems. So you got to raise those guys up. You got to get them going. You got to think about that. Boy, if I make the wrong decision, what's going to happen here? You go down to chapter four, it says the Spirit clearly says, In latter times, some will abandon the faith and follow deceiving spirits and things taught by demons. Such teachings come through hypocritical liars whose consciences have been seared as with a hot iron. Man, you got to deal with these guys. And the Spirit says, guess what, it's going to get worse. It's coming up even more. Whatever you thought was behind you is going to be in front of you. Yeah. And then you got other things. Um, one thing that's that very difficult, not hitting all the issues, but in uh, chapter 6, and verse 17... It says, command those who are rich in this present world not to be arrogant nor put their hope in wealth, which is so uncertain, but to put their hope in God. I'll tell you, dealing with rich people, you've you, you got to be careful. Because you need their support, but you don't want act like you need it that bad. There's this sin of, this, this idea of... of um, Playing A lot of ministers sometimes play to the rich. They want to be close to the rich. They want to surround themselves with rich people in case something goes wrong. So you're able to be supported. It's a matter of support. You're challenging the very people who are supporting you. You're challenging them on their greed, their materialism. And you hope they'll be okay with that. (laughs) I sure hope you love this sermon. Those are the issues that Timothy was having to deal with. Just some of them. And so by the time you get to 2 Timothy, turn over there. It says in uh, verse 6 of chapter 1, For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame." The gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, this is the central admonition that Paul gives Timothy. Fan in the flame. Why? What happened to the flame? It burns out. Now, I like to build fires. Most guys do. Comes time to have a bonfire it's me. I get the logs. I stack them all right. It, it, it's just so much fun. And you throw the little match in there. It all gets up. And you just sit there and get hypnotized by No, I don't do this. What are you, Jen, what are you doing? Huh? Oh, yeah, one time, uh, uh, Rodney and Jen came over to the house. And I was getting rid of a lot of furniture. So I just start throwing it in the fire. And they said, I've never been to a bonfire like that. <laughs> Jen goes home gagging because all the varnish was burning off and she was <laughs> but anyway, just uh, shows I, I don't burn people's houses or I don't set wildfires or anything, but I'm just trying to help us to understand that burnout was to Timothy and is in our world a serious problem. I've had that happen to me deeply a couple times that I can remember. Kathy and I planted the church in Berlin. We were going to language school every day, at least I was, because she could already speak, kind of. And I was having to go, they, they call it going uh, cold turkey. In other words, you don't speak English, you just speak German. So all the brothers are speaking German, you know. And I'm trying to pick it up, and I'm going to school, and I can't figure out what the heck's going on. So I'm smiling a lot. Yeah, okay, yeah, I see. Because you miss a couple words, and a guy sharing his heart, you can miss his whole life, you know what I mean? <laughs> and I was just worn out, literally. Learning another language, functioning in that language, not speaking your own language, carrying on the work of the ministry, planning a church, trying to p- keep people excited in their own language, wore me out. I can remember sitting on the side of my bed, you know, I had to preach in German, which (laughs) that was a joke at first, but brothers and sisters are very loving. But I sat on the side of my bed, and I said, I don't want to do this anymore. This is not for me. I am tired. It's really bad when the preacher doesn't want to go to church, you know. (laughs) That sets a great tone for the whole future of the church, you know. And then another time it happened. and this will call me by surprise. It happened three weeks ago. I was preaching up uh, or down in shoreline, and I'd preached, you know, message here. I thought it went over well, went down there. It was nobody laughed at my jokes. Nobody even smiled. I said "Joe, I had to tell a joke twice. I said, now listen, people. This is a funny joke, and you're going to get it. (laughs) So I told it to them, and they, 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 you know, they go, "Ah." And it it was just like this, you know, just, it it was like. Now, the venue's different. It's a little more formal down there. It's 4 o'clock in the afternoon. I understand all that. But I tell you, because I was already for the last few weeks dealing with my insecurity about preaching a lot again, and I just was trying to work through that, and I just finally said, you know, I don't need this. I don't have to do this. No one's paying me. I, if I tell Joe I'm not preaching, that's too bad for him. he got to figure that out. I could call Joe up Saturday night and say, I ain't preaching. Please don't. But I, but I don't. I could. But it just got to the point where you get this sense of dread. You get this sense of burden. You get the sense of, I can't keep up with this. I don't know what else to say to these German people to get them fired up. I've said all I know what to say in German. And then this group down the shoreline caught me completely off guard. I go, what the heck? I'm not going down there anymore. That's what I said. I'm not going down there. But, you know, when you really have time to reflect and you give yourself a couple days for self-pity, which I always do. I feel like I deserve self-pity at least, I don't know, once seven every, yeah, not seven days a week. But I think, I think, you know, like if I get disappointed in something and I pout, you know, we all spiritually pout sometimes. I give myself a day to pout yeah. when they didn't want me to play the drums in the, in the worship team. <laughs> I, gave, I gave myself a day to pout and, and that was it. Yeah. That was it. I'm not pouting, I'm just ticked off. But but you know, in here, notice what Paul tells Timothy. He says, fan in the flame the gift of God. Now, Timothy got his gift... Which I believe is a gift of preaching, the gift of knowledge, a gift of wisdom that he needed as a, uh, a minister. Because so much of what Paul tells him goes back to the word of preaching and preaching and preaching, in season, out of season. Stay with the truth; it'll 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 have the victory. But here, back in the first century, they didn't have the written word, so they needed a, a men who were given the gift of the gifts of the Spirit through the laying on of the apostles' hands. And from that they were inspired and what they said was true. They didn't have to necessarily come up with a sermon all the time. It's kind of ready-made inside. And then the miracles that you see people doing, those gifts were simply to confirm the word. So once the Word, the church started operating out of using the written Word as they got the letters and the Gospels and all of that, you see a historical transition to now the Word of God is what we look at, the written Word of God, and we don't need the other, we don't need the inspired guys anymore. Because anyone that speaks, I'm going to check it out with a word anyway. So I don't really need someone who's going to be saying, well, I'm inspired of God, everything I say is true. Whatever I'm saying this morning, you need to check it out with the word of God. Make sure what I'm saying is true. And there's several guys in here going to do that. They got their eye on me right now. They're saying, you better keep it clean. And so, you know, that's how we've got to recognize the the difference here. But there was a gift inside of Timothy had been given him through the miraculous power of the Holy Spirit. And it had gone out. It had burnt out. He was tired. He was ready to quit. You know, you could just have breakfast with so many false teachers where you just don't want to get up anymore. But we need to recognize, brothers and sisters, more than anything, we've all been gifted. And I'm not just talking about Timothy. I'm talking about you, and I'm talking about me. How can I walk away from a gift that God has given me? He gave me the gift to preach and teach. Why? Sometimes I wish he hadn't. Last time I wish I could have picked another gift, but I got stuck with this one. This has really discipled me and uh, uh, sifted all the, the, the insecurities. There's a lot still there, but it, it just brings me in touch with that and keeps me connected with God because I can't do that without the power of God. And we've got to recognize all of us have a gift. What is your gift? Think about it. Is it serving? Is it teaching? What is it? Maybe you play a musical instrument. Yeah. You ever thought about playing a musical instrument with your neighbor who has one too and kind of getting a little thing going and maybe inviting him to church sometime? Mm-hmm. You know, those are the kinds of gifts that, that we have our homes, our food. Right. We have been gifted. I mean, look at our lives. Right. Some of us have been blessed with children. And yet, these very gifts can wear us out. If you have the gift of serving, you're always serving, and you go, "I'm getting tired of the gift." Someone needs to say, "Hey, you need to fan that in the flame. I'm not seeing a whole lot of excitement about this anymore. You know you gotta, And that's how you fan things in the flame. You pull on, people, pull people in that know you and see when you're flat. Now I didn't tell Joe I didn't want to preach anymore. Because I just felt like it was going to go away. It had before. But notice what Paul tells Timothy. 2 Timothy. Let's go to verse 9. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. Not because of anything we have done. But because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immorality to light through the gospel. And of this gospel I was appointed a herald and an apostle, because I know, uh, oh no, that is why I'm suffering as I am. Yet this is no cause for shame, because I know whom I have believed and convinced he's able to guard, but I've entrusted to him until that day. In other words, it was the grace of God that Paul would go back to over and over again to realize what he had been given. He says in 1 Corinthians, By the grace of God I am what I am. It identifies me. It's part of my being. It's who I am. He says, that's why I'm suffering. Because suffering's not going to knock me off. Because I'm going to think about and believe in the grace of God. Amen. You know, we are completely dependent beings. Did you know that? We depend on God for everything. You can't even get out of bed in the morning without the power of God. The older you get, the more power you need. <laughs> God gives us a reason to get out of bed. He puts us in a community where people love us. We're committed to that. We might not be perfect, but ultimately that's our goal is to love one another. And from that, people seeing that, they're going to want to know where does that come from. It's a gift. Gratitude, I found, really fans the flame being grateful. <laughs> you know, I was in the grocery store the other day and Kathy had uh, asked me to pick up some popcorn. You know, we we'll watch a movie. So I go in and pick up some popcorn. and I said I just want popcorn, but there's like 50 different kinds yeah. of popcorn. <laughs> yeah, that's what I ended up doing. Got the movie theater one and I'm lo- I'm looking then I go to the cereal. A whole, a whole aisle. It's like, yeah, what God has blessed us with. He hasn't just blessed with. It. He said, hey, you can have any kind you want. You can get chocolate, cinnamon, whatever you want. We got it for you. And then come over to the meat section. We've cut everything for you. We've cut it all up here. It is. Just have, you know, we don't even think sometimes how good we have it, and how much of a gift it is to be able to feed your children and give them a place to live and raise them up in an environment like this. This youth camp. I wish I had a few youth camps growing up. These kids come back there talking about Jesus and God and the great worships they had. I, I, when I was that age, it wasn't there. I wish I could have had those opportunities. We need to be thankful for that. And from that, let it fire us up to, to, to hold on. Yeah, we get at the 20-mile mark. You know, in a marathon, they say the 20th mile is the hardest. I don't know what. What they say, I've never been there. <laughs> never will be. I drive by in my car, there it is, yeah. 20 miles. <laughs> but they say, if you, don't, if you don't push through that 20th mile, you, you won't make it. It right. is grueling, they say. And sometimes life gets that way. But when you think about, man, I'm in a cool race. I'm in a marathon. 20th mile. I'm almost home. This is awesome. This is great. The adrenaline kicks in, doesn't it? When you begin to think how great it is. I went away from the popcorn section feeling a little bit more convicted about the grace of God. I mean, it didn't take much. But sometimes we struggle when we don't know what our gifts are. Or we compare ourselves to other people's gifts. Kathy and I had a Bible talk in Boston, and it was just a very, very fruitful Bible talk in the sense of the love, and the baptisms came out of it, and we were, I don't know what happened, God was just moving, we had seven baptisms in seven weeks, it was a single study, and it was just crazy, but this one girl named Nancy was there, and she'd been a, you know, member, and she was the shyest person you'd ever want to meet, remember Nancy, she was, you Probably, you know. How you doing, Nancy? <laughs> I'm doing okay. And she came up to me one time, and you know, all the, we had singles. We were playing hearts. We were eating. And she said, "I don't feel. I don't feel like I'm really helping. You know, bring food. I don't uh, uh, bringing forth some fruit. I don't. I don't know what to do." And I said, "What do you like doing?" She said, "I really enjoy baking." I said, "You like baking, huh?" I said, you know what I think you should do—just an idea. Bake stuff for all the visitors that come. A little, little—you know how you do. You do a little, bake some stuff. And, I don't know what they do. They put a little thing on <laughs> tie it, tied up here. But it looked really nice. She spent a lot of time doing it, and she stood at the door, and as the visitors um, left, she'd hand them something like that. She hand them what she had baked, and they would go, "Okay, I'll see you guys." Nancy B. there. oh, wow, thanks. Some guys be eating it on the way to the car. I mean, it, it, and she started to come out of herself. When we had a baptism, by get around, because I, I don't believe in personal fruit. I believe in group fruit, God fruit, church fruit. You know, you get all crazy, start talking about personal fruit. But anyway, um, when we stand around and have baptism, she was smiling. She had been part of it. She handed that person a cookie or a, cupcake, and to her, I know it doesn't sound like much, but to her, it was huge. I mean, huge. And the transformation that God was able to put in her life, just because she was transformed by exercising her gift, and feeling like people really appreciate it. And I'll tell you, single brothers and sisters love baked stuff. (laughs) I mean, you just can't make enough for them. Especially the brothers. I mean, it's but she'd give them a good, a good thing full of it. And I guess I just want to say, brothers and sisters, we are a talented bunch of people. Yeah. There's so much talent, intellectual talent, administrative talent, musical talent, so many ways we can exercise that gift, not only to serve the church, but to serve our brothers and sisters. Yeah. And we have most of all the gift of love. Right. Yeah. That is a gift. I did not know how to love until I met Jesus. He's taught me how to love, and I've still got a lot to learn. But I want to leave you with this. It's better to focus on what we've been given to endure the pain of sacrificial giving. It's better to focus on what we've been given to endure the pain of sacrificial giving. Because the giving is not painful, it's not sacrificial. How are you going to endure That over and over and over again by focusing on what you've been given. Amen. Amen. This is mine.